Hello and welcome to today's episode of Build Value by Choice podcast show. My name is Nana Bonsu. I'm your host. Today's guest is none other than Ray Croft. Let me tell you a couple of things about Ray. Ray is the president of the Exit Planning Institute Dallas chapter. He's also involved in various organizations such as United Way, um, Rotary International. He's an adjunct professor at the University of North Texas. He's a certified value builder. He's a president and CEO of Mobius Financial Advisors in the United States. And he happens to reside in Dallas, Texas. Welcome, welcome aboard, Ray. Thank you. All right. So today's topic is going to be revolving around key retention, employee retention strategies. And I, I couldn't think of a better person to talk about this topic than Ray. Since Ray has, he's talked about it quite a bit and he's even developed a product to solve that issue. So I was really interested in talking to him and bringing his message to our audience. Ray, before I get into um, asking you a couple of questions, I actually wanted to share a few metrics that I gathered for our audience. Right now, uh, based on the 2020 National Federation of Independent Business Problems and Priorities Survey, among the top 10 severe problems for small business owners, the numbers two and three were related to employees. The number two item was locating qualified employees, and the number three was finding and keeping skilled employees. So you can see this is a top of mind item for empl employers. According to the 2017 Gallup State of the American Workplace Report, 33% of U.S. employees are engaged in their work, which is far lower than the, what, is, what is recorded for the world's best organizations, which have 70% of their employees engaged in their work. There's also a, another statistics from the uh, website fitsmallbusiness.com, uh, and they did a comparison between 2019 and 2020. And what they found was that 20, in 2019, 24% of businesses expected to hire in the next year, that is in 2020. Whereas last year, approximately 16% expected to hire next year, which is this year. So clearly it was an 8% drop. Uh, according to the 2021 National Federation of Independence Business, Businesses Small Business Economic Trends Report, finding qualified employees remains a, a problem. 61% of those of owners reported um, few or no qualified applicants for the positions they were trying to fill. And where there were open positions, the labor quality remained a significant problem. 31% of owners reported few qualified applicants for their open positions, and 29% reported none, which is a 48 record high. So clearly, there's not a whole lot of talent out there and so if you have them, you want to keep them. So that, then I want to dive into how we keep our, um, our talent, which is one of the um, greatest assets any business can have. Ray, can you tell us a little bit about what, what, you, what the whole idea of employee retention is and, and just kind of uh, take it from there? Yeah, this is not a, a recent problem as far as uh, finding quality employees. Even before the pandemic, uh, we had businesses, we had an economy that was expanding, more jobs, you know, the economy was just increasing. And so 
business owners were having trouble finding qualified employees. I think we've they've always recognized that their key employees were key to their business. They always recognize that. But now it has gone even deeper than that, even going all the way down to frontline employees. I'm telling you, they can't even find employees to work the uh, at the McDonald's serving, things like that. So it's gotten that bad. So what happens then? They have to increase the wages for those front lines, which increases for this system manager and the managers all the way up. So as the demand for employees, the supply is low, you know, the you've, your costs increased as well. So you've got to increase in cost. Plus, you can't expand. I've got business owners all the time that are saying, I've got a lot of business out there that I could do, a lot of work. I just can't because I don't have the employees to. So now it's just not a matter of keeping my key management. It's, it's down to how do I keep the front line all the way down? So it's a bigger problem now than it was two or three years ago. Oh, okay. All right. How then, uh, and I'll circle back to, you know, to dive a little bit deeper into that. But there's also this thing about balancing to every problem, there's a great opportunity, right? And so maybe uh, employers can start thinking about maybe rethink their businesses to be less dependent on employees, right? In terms of whether it's AI, new technologies, or whether it's systematizing the documenting um, just so that they can either bring in freelancers or or part-timers or contractors or even outsourcing the work. Um, so what, because they, they, on the one hand, employees are the greatest asset in the business. On the other hand, we don't want to be too dependent the, on the uh, key employees because that also depresses the value of the business. Right. And so there's certain uh, positions that you can systematize. You can put up a kiosk, for example, right, to place your orders and things like that. Certain things you cannot. I mean, they're doing robo-advisors for investments. So a lot of AI things going on or whatever to meet these problems. That's one great thing about this, this country is we always find a way to address our problems because if there's a need there's going to be some sort of profit motive in there. And so, and that's, that's happening, but there's many, many things that you just cannot outsource. And you mentioned something about outsourcing certain things. Well, even those people we traditionally outsource, they're having problems as well, right? Finding people. So we can't even go to our traditionals. We need help, you know, to an employment or an outsource, a fractional CFO or whatever. It's just very, very difficult. So, where we start is who we have and create an environment to keep them, all right? And it's, sometimes it's got to be a little bit of fluid. Some people, it's not just money. Sometimes it's freedom of hours because I've, I'm, I've got kids at home. It might be tele, uh, telecommuting, those type of things and stuff. So we've got to come up with a retention um, package that will address individual needs. It's not always pay. Sometimes it is pay, but it's not always pay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are different things like you know, bring your pet to work or something, right? If, and and so, so the the one of the things that and and I guess you no, know, we can talk a little bit more about 
you know, some of the strategies that are available uh, for retaining employees. But one of the things um, I read, uh, there's a book, uh, Give and Get Employer Branding, and it talks about featuring these employees um, just so they feel like they have a stake uh, in the business. And we always talk about the, you know, you know, getting the employees to have the ownership mindset just so you can free up the, the owner to not have to be the hub in the middle of all activities in the business. Um, are there certain ideas, you know, you know to, as we de- delve into some of these strategies, like maybe telling their stories, you know, video stories and putting it on their website where they feel like, hey, my personal life is actually of great importance to the business. There's a work-life balance. I don't have to take the work home, um, that whole kind of thing. Yeah, there's definitely something to be saying about that. I mean, we've got our needs. We've got, you know, we've got to feed ourselves and, and things like that. We need to feel protected, but we also need to feel connected as well and feel appreciated. So, so if you can find a way to create an, that environment within your organization, um, you mentioned about that work-life balance and to have a your mission and the vibe of your company to be family-focused. Whatever that is, whatever that vibe is, that's going to attract like-minded people, right? So it's family-focused. Those people are going to stay, and it's going to attract others, right? And the right. ones that it's not important, they're not going to be attracted. But it's important to attract the people. You know, you've heard about get the right people on the bus, right? Right. right. Good to great. Those, yep. those are the right people. If that's your vibe then those are the people who are going to be attracted to you. You want to create something that attracts those people you're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. You, don't want to, you don't want to show one face, and then when they get in, it's a whole other face, and they it just doesn't feel right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why, I mean, the one of the concepts that's, I mean, I know this is, is almost like common sense, but at least it's, it's well articulated in the uh, Give and Get Employer Branding book, um, the authors, I think Adams and, and some other author, and they talk about, you know, the whole, the whole branding thing is talk about the, the perks, right? The, the benefits, right? The, the salary, the 401ks, that whole nine years, and also the challenges and the difficulties, right? In the business. So they, they get to see the whole thing. So you want to make sure that you attract the right kind of people who are, who are, um, who know what you're signing out for as far as the difficulties or the challenges or some of the projects are concerned. Now, um, I wanted to kind of ask you about some of the employer uh, re- employee retention strategies, and maybe you can, you, know, you can help us dive a little bit deeper into that. There are a couple of things that, I, that I'm aware of. One is you can um, either give them a stay bonus or some kind of long-term incentive plan you can give them stock options if, if you have them. Uh, you can give them maybe more vacation days or paternity leave or tuition reimbursement or work from home. What are some of the most popular employer employee retention strategies and, um, and what, you know, which ones do you not recommend um, as far as not giving away equity in the business or, or reducing the value of the business long term? 
I don't think I would. There's none that I would not recommend, because it really depends on your organization and do some sort of uh, evaluation on your people and their needs. But for example, take a 401k. That's not really a retention thing anymore. It's almost expected, right? right. Your competitors got it. You, it's, you've got it. It's not a retention. I can easily move my 401k. That's just kind of expected. It's one of those things, you know, right. I expect when I, you know, when I'm go to a restaurant, I expect them to bring me water. It's not a bonus. So those are things, there's certain things that you just have because they're expected. And then there's other things that you can install that make you stand out again to attract them. Certain things may not attract certain people. Certain things would, for example, an, an, uh, a on-site daycare would not attract me. I don't have any kids at home. But oh my, it would be very attractive to some of these. If you want a young workforce, right? If that's your deal, right. we're a tech company. We want a, a young workforce, on-site daycare, flexible hours, great strategies. Uh, you mentioned stock. Stock. Um, that can work depending on how it is designed. But for example, in privately held businesses, there's no market for the stock. I can't just go and sell my stock, whatever. So the only way I'm going to be able to get that money is to go right back to the employer and say, here, I'm going to go here, buy it. So it kind of puts the burden on you to buy it. Now, it also may give them incentive to actually leave because another employer made them a better offer or they got in some financial troubles, whatever. And they say, well, I've got this stock here. Buy it from me. I'm leaving. So it's not a retention thing, right? In that case. Right. Plus, you know, they could, you know, there's non-voting stock and there's voting stock. There's lots of ways you can do that, but it can get kind of complicated. So unless you're looking at restricted type stock and you're a larger company, it, it most of the time it doesn't make sense. Right? Right, right. So, yeah. You know, again, vacation days, things like that. Again, that's expected. Sick uh, days are expected, but flex time, you know, hours, you know, I my, I want to be home at 3.30 when my kids get home. I'm willing to come in on Saturdays. I'm willing to come in at five in the morning or whatever. That's not expected, but you know what I'm saying? You can yeah, tailor yeah. some of these things. Yeah, that's why you can get creative and as far as uh, mm -hmm. flex time and, and uh, right. that's concerned. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things, um, one of the things that, you know, so depending on the size of the company, because people want to be, people have ambitions, right? They want to be able to be, you know, be moving up or they, they want to be able to um, advance in your career. And we know that employees are responsible for their own careers. Their managers can be coaches or mentors or facilitators, but at the end of the day, the employee is responsible for their own careers. So what opportunities, because in some cases, in some cases, sometimes employees may feel like they're stuck, either because they don't have the opportunity to advance, uh, because wherever they need to advance, somebody's already occupying that space, uh, or the company just need them doing what they do, or they're so good at what they do that you know people just can't envision them doing anything else. Um, how do you advise or recommend owners, you know, with businesses in that situation? 
Right. So that's one of the first things we do is we get an organizational chart first, the first one that they have right in it. And then we, what we do is we do a workshop and develop their mission statement, their vision, and their goals for the next five years. And then we roll those up to three years and two years and things like that. So here are your organizational goals. Then you look at your organizational chart and say, do these positions support that? You know, if it doesn't, we may need to do some things, some changes. So let's say we make some changes in that organizational chart. Now, the thing is, you should always have a succession plan, not just from, you know, number one to number two. It's all the way down. If I'm going to have a succession, I'm the CEO and I'm going to have a succession plan for someone to replace me. There needs to be a simultaneously a succession plan for that person and that person and that person. And that succession plan is number one, evaluating uh, that person if they can even fill that role. I've seen many times they take a fantastic salesperson. He's great. And to reward him, they put him in a higher position. He's not qualified. He doesn't like it. And to top that off, you've taken out a fantastic salesperson. So before you just say, hey, Joe, we're going to put you up here. Both positions need to be evaluated and the person needs to be evaluated. So you need to do that, right? And then sometimes it's just the communication to say, this is where we need you, right? You are so good at that. And to create some sort of incentive package to keep them in that position, right? They are the operations of that, that, uh, that plant floor, and they are just amazing at it, right? Right. Can I make them happy there? I would love to make them happy there and just make it so uh, appealing that they're happy there, right? Right. Now, what about this cross-training, you know, you know maybe just, just having people spend, rotate, right? Spend six months you know, in one area of the, of the business and another area of the business, have you found that to be, you know, to work or does that destabilize the business, especially if it's a small, relatively smaller one? Yeah, we'll do it over a period of time. I'll have uh, that executive list out their critical functions and kind of rate them which ones are the most critical. OK, and then we come up with a plan on how we're going to train this next person or persons, whatever. And it's not just the there's an art and science to each position. The science is easy. You take this here and you put it here, right? The mm -hmm. art is how you do that. And with my experience, I've made, done lots of things wrong, failings, this, that, and the other. What's the thinking when I make this decision? Someone new may not know that, but I've been doing it for 20 years, right? And so right. I can tell you, the reason I do it this way is because this way and this way have failed or whatever. So, Many times this is a, a long period of time when you're doing a succession plan, right? right because yeah. they need to experience the art and the science of it. Right. And how long does it typically take to do a succession plan? To develop one, not very long. I mean, we could do one, you know, depending on the complexity of the organization. You know, if it's a, you know, 50 employee one, we can do that in a month or whatever. I mean, to develop it, not to implement it. The the Developing it is not hard. Implementation is the key in anything. We can create great plans. It's 
the uh, the uh, the uh, success lies in imp- implementation, and that may take depending on the the company and the complexity. It may take could be one year, could be two years, could be longer. Right now, this this whole this whole balancing act of um, keeping your employees without being too dependent on them. Um, what do you see? How do business owners handle this whole dichotomy between they want to document all their business processes without spooking you know, employees to thinking, oh, that means I am replaceable? Well, yeah, and, but it's got to be a culture. It's got to be throughout the, cult, the whole organization. This is how we do business. The v- true value of McDonald's is not because they make the best hamburger because they don't, right? Their value is in their processes. They can take a 16-year-old and he could be managing the store in a month, right? It's the processes. So from how much ketchup that goes on to what happens when and how many seconds and things like that. So if the culture is, is that nobody's irreplaceable and we work as a team for the benefit of the organization, everybody pitches in. Right. And it's not like you're just picking on me. So that gradual shift of the cultures can be painful sometimes. Right. It's, you know, you don't go from from a a Google mentality that, you know, everybody's in flip flops and stuff like that and does their own thing to something more structured overnight. So it's got to be a culture values based type shift. Yeah, and one of the things, obviously, yeah, definitely, and that's why, you know, you're going to need some kind of a change agent. And if the owner is not, you know, the right person for that, they can bring in somebody who's who has the right personality for, for that. Because one of the things a lot of times that, you know, unfortunately, if you're a smaller business, you know, your, your management bench may not be big enough for you to delegate some of these things. And you may not have the personality for it. Like the owner may be the creative type, right? They may not be the such a feely kind of th- person like uh, Elon Musk, who's, who's you know, a creative person, can create all day, but you probably don't want them doing some kind of a people kind of touch feely kind of thing. Right. Um, so what, how do you recommend that? I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if, uh, you know, depending on the size, whether it's 50 people or 10 people, and do they bring in an outside consultant or do they need to just find where somebody in their um, management ranks and maybe an HR person to, to help lead that kind of cultural transformation? Yeah, sometimes it is someone from the outside. Um, you know, one thing that a lot of business owners think is, you know, they build a successful business and they feel like they that those skills transfer. I can, I can do anything, right? And so they feel like they're going to take that on themselves. There's two issues there. First of all, they're not an expert in that part, whatever. And there's people out there that can do it much more efficient and better than they can. Plus, if, I, if I'm, I'm the CEO and I'm taking my eye off the ball about building this business and I start doing this, you know, 20% of my time, it's hurting my business. Right. So one thing we don't want to do is we want the CEO to continue eyes forward, focused on building this business, whatever that role is. And you're right that they may be a salesperson and many of them are, they're not the implementation. And so when you're talking about a management team, you've got to have both, right? You got to have the visionary and you've got to have someone doing the implementation as well. But, uh, you know, 
back to as far as what you do as far as how to tie them to the business. So that's one key is you want to tie these employees to the business now because they are the key to your success in your business, but you also want to tie them into the business after a potential sale, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, if I'm going to buy your company, I'm very concerned about your key people fleeing and taking key customers or intellectual property with them. That's a huge concern for me. So I want to make sure you've got them tied to your business. So the we create what's called a golden handcuff. You've heard that and a golden parachute. Right. Golden handcuff keeps them through the sale and it also rewards them after the sale, right? And so we spend a lot of time developing strategies for that. So it serves two purposes. Now, um, as far as, um, and then, then one last question and we'll, we'll kind of you know give it a wrap. So, in terms of cost, right? So if I'm an owner, I'm trying to justify the overhead costs. As we talked earlier on in the show, we talked about how uh, if you want to keep your employees, chances are you may have to you know, bump up their salaries or what have you. And that means you know, increased overhead costs. How do I justify it to myself that it's worth it versus you know, letting, them, letting them go or lose them to the competition or to big business or what have you and say, hey, I'm just going to go out there and either not fill the, the position and trying to do as much as I can on my own uh, or, um, or just say, okay, well, uh, it's just, I'm just trying to figure out what is the, the cost, but how, what is the good rule of thumb that right. an owner can quickly use to make a good rational decision? Right. And it can it can be different for whichever level of key employee you're looking at. You know, right. your high level key employees about be more. But here here's a, a common thing is I'm just going to give them a 10 percent raise or I'm going to give them a, a bonus at the end of the year. The problem with that is that if they give me 10 percent raise, they get used to it. It's not yeah. an incentive anymore. So you give me a 10 percent raise. I make one hundred thousand. I make one hundred ten. But after taxes, my bonus is really only worth seven thousand dollars a year. So five hundred and twenty five dollars a month. Is that really going to incentivize? No, I'm going to increase my standard of living by five hundred and twenty five dollars a month. So there, there's a combination. You've got to put some to reward you now to improve my standard of living now. But another bucket to into a what's called a deferred comp thing that says, hey, Jack, this is going to turn into a nice pension down here, but you can't get it for 10 years. You can't touch it. If you leave, you know, nine years and 364 days, you don't get it. So all of a sudden, here comes a competitor says, hey, we're going to bump you up by 10 or 15 percent. Your key employee looks at that and says, look at all I'm leaving off on the table. No, thank you. So a combination of both. So a strategy we use, we say, hey, look, if you want to give them 10% raise now, fine, but take 10% also and put it in this deferred, it's not a deferred comp plan, it's a, a strategy to create a stream of income later on that's restricted, right? right. It, the, the business owner owns it. And if you leave early, I can put whatever restrictions I want. I can say, hey, the Dallas Cowboys have to win the Super Bowl before you get this, right? Well, I guess you're never going to get it. So, By the way, I live in the Washington area, so mention the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay, all right. I mean, I know, I don't know when this is going to be aired, but we just, the Cowboys just had a big win last night. 
congratulations. <laughs> so anyhow, but the, the thing about it is the business owner wants full control, right? Right. So this strategy gives them all the control, but the benefit is big for the employee, but it's deferred, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And they can even, uh, it's the whole vesting kind of thing, right? Every three months, like you get like, you know, 1% of it released. So, you know, you can kind of see that, hey, I get a little bit of like the $500 every month or what, what have you. Uh, it's just that, you know, it's not like, you know, it's frozen to like, you know, for another 10 years, because then some of the people, somebody may be like, okay, I'm not going to see it for another 10 years anyway. So um, in any case, um, thank you so much for sharing your time and, and your insight with us. Um, are there any two or three things? I, I forgot to ask you, I know you have a product out there that, that helps business owners um, you know, handle uh, the employment, employee retaining uh, retention strategies. Could you... Um, Describe or share with us a little bit more about that product? Well, we called it, it's an internal thing. We call it a Saris program or whatever, but it's just that. Okay. It's, it's a strategy that we use. We say, okay, based on your budget, you can put it into this deferred type thing. It's not a deferred comp plan. So I don't want people to confuse them with that, but we can uh, arrange it any which way you want. We can say they can't touch for 10 years or five years or 20 years or whatever. And it produces a stream of income. But it's again, it's in full control of the business owner, right? And so right. they can put whatever restrictions they want on it. And then at some point in time, it's released to the employee. At that time, not only does the employee get access to the money, the business owner gets a big old tax deduction, right? Because now it's going on the books is like a salary or a bonus. Right. So that's so, a win-win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Thanks. So what are two or three things uh, that you would like to leave our listeners with? Well, I think don't fall into that trap that, um, you know, my employees are happy. They like being here, you know, and then they might. uh, But in the end, they've got to think about their family and their future. Right. And so when somebody comes looking, knocking on the door, they're probably going to listen. Right. So be proactive about it. Look at what your employees as a whole, look at your culture, things like that. And let's, let's together talk this through. What does this person need? What do they want? How would it affect my business if they left? That should tell you how much you should contribute to that, whatever. So I'd say don't, and also don't put it off, right? Somebody may be courting your key employee as we speak right now. And I can't tell you how many times one of my clients said, hey, Jack left. Really? I had no idea. And we've been talking about doing something for him. We never got around to it. Right? Right. So it's like teaching your kids. You want to teach them all these things. And you just put it off, put it off. And all of a sudden they go off to college and you realize, oh, it's too late to teach them how to change a tire. Right? Right? So I'd say it's recognize the importance of it and doing something now. Great, that's great. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Ray. Appreciate your time and uh, talk to you soon.